Friday, a friend of mine asked me to come and kick off his conference. He's a church planner down in Austin. So I took my beautiful daughter, Mariah, with me. And she's um, working on, uh, she's got her little permit to get her driver's license, which means that she can drive with me. And so, and so we got down there. And then on the way back, she's like, Dad, can I drive? Dad, can I drive? And I'm like, well, you know, you have driven in the neighborhood in Cedar Hill. But sure, let's do it. Mom's not with us. Let's go for it. In mom's car. We took mom's car, too. <laughs> so she drove I-35, uh, 75 miles an hour zone uh, on the way home yesterday. And it was awesome until I'd forgotten there was a section that had road construction <clears throat> where the concrete barriers were where the, uh, you know, the uh, shoulder is supposed to be. You know that section? And, uh, and, and the speed limit does drop down to 65 or so, but everyone's still doing 90, and, uh, and so she was doing pretty good until it made a turn like this, and an 18-wheeler was on the side of us in the fast lane, barrier within inches on the right, 18-wheeler on the left, and the reason I was making a turn like that is because they were creating an exit, an entry ramp so that cars could come on, it only had about 50 feet, and as we get right to that spot, two cars are trying to merge into the section, and, uh, and it is that moment, and all of a sudden, I look over at her, and her, she has stiffened like a board, she is white-knuckling the steering wheel, her little triceps are sticking out of her arm like this, and she is as stiff as a board, and she's about to kill us, because she has... <clears throat> Sorry, and young people ling- lingo, she has freaked out, and, uh, and she is gripping the wheel like this, and I look over at her knowing that we're about to die, and I said, relax, 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 and the calming voice of her father <laughs> brought her back to a place of peace with the Lord and kept from killing us, and she went, okay, and we got through the intersection just fine. I've, I've titled the message today. Scared Stiff is the title of today's message. Scared Stiff. How many of you guys love needles? Come on, be honest. That's all the ex-heroin addicts. Good job. Way to be delivered. Um, but most of us can't stand to go to the doctor. And, uh, and when they, you, you still have flashbacks from when you were a kid, and they stuck you in the derriere with that needle. And what, do they, what does the nurse and the doctor always tell you to do? Relax, relax. Because what do we do the moment they pull out that needle and start you know, tapping that thing? I'm like... And everything, like, ah, it's kind of, and they say that it makes it hurt worse, right? Because we've all, we've all stiffened up. And it's from that premise that I want to minister to you today and the season that we're in. And I purposefully ended the, uh, the, the Doomsday Prepper series just a week earlier before we start the next series because I want to deal with the demonic spirits and forces that are at play today in this moment. And I want to just kind of speak out against what I see the enemy's plan in doing. Now, because the United States of America embraces Halloween, and because most people don't even know the background or the backdrop of Halloween, Halloween actually originated uh, a few hundred years ago, uh, excuse me, almost 2,000 years ago, with Celtic uh, Druid worship there in the, what is now Ireland and, uh, and had continued there for thousands, about a thousand years or so where they would worship and evoke demons and their concept was that, uh, that there was a dark lord of the harvest, the summer harvest was brought in because of the darkness and there was much witchcraft you know that when, when it comes to, to Druids and, uh, and, and sexual uh, uh, um, uh, 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 these environments where, where they are killing virgins and things like that and it's all involved in, in darkness and demons 
Christians, and they brought that over. The Irish brought that over to the United States in uh, about 1850 or so because of the great potato uh, problem that they had, you know, the, the, where they, they couldn't put all the, all, uh, what do you call it? They couldn't, famine, thank you, the potato famine in Ireland around the mid-1800s. And so they, they came here to the United States, and they brought this Halloween concept with them. It wasn't called Halloween. It was called Samhain, or I may not be pronouncing right. It's S-A-M-H-A-I-N. And it is the worship of darkness involving witches and warlocks. And I want you to understand this. Because you are a believer, because you love God, because you came here, you may not have an understanding of the forces of evil that are upon us and around us, and that those who worship Satan and the way that they do it and the way they invoke demonic spirits is in the forces of evil that they mess around with so that they can have power over you and me or attempt to but they can't because we know that we are covered in the blood of Jesus and no weapon formed against us shall prosper all those that rise up against us shall fall and so but because the United States of America embraces it with all of our movies because we make it a hallows eve because we embrace the wickedness of darkness now I know you don't do that I know you just want to dress your kids up and uh, and make them you know so that they can look like Snoopy or uh, you know Voltron or whatever they do nowadays you know and and I know you want to get them some candy and that's those those I don't God's not mad at you about any of that please we're not doing that I'm just making sure you understand because we embrace this this event and we call it hollowed or all hallows eve or halloween those demonic forces are able to stir in a way that they're not able to do any other time in the year. And as a result of it, you've got to understand the greatest plan of the enemy to destroy you and hurt you because he is a defeated foe. He has a one big tactic, and it's the tactic of fear. See, if he can get you scared that God's not for you, if he can get you full of intrepidation that the church doesn't love you, if he can keep speaking to you that you're not good enough and God doesn't accept you, then what he'll have you do is walk away from the Lord, walk away from the very people because of all of these fears that he speaks into your life. And the enemy's plan is to destroy you, and he uses these tactics. And for some of you, all of us, let's say it like this, we all have these triggers for some of the fear things that we do. I would imagine now that when my daughter is on the interstate and there's road construction and all of a sudden there's 18 wheelers beside her, naturally from the tier on out without God helping her, she's going to have a moment where she stiffens up. And I want to just kind of point out some of the triggers that we've become accustomed to. Listen to this audio file for just a second and see if that recognizes or rings the bell for you. Mm-hmm. Some of you get white knuckle because you saw all of the Halloween series of movies. That's the theme song. There you go. The theme song from Halloween. Some of you saw that and uh, you still need to get delivered. God bless you. I love you. <clears throat> How about this image right here? Does this say anything to you? Do you know who that is, right? I, I, to this day, because I wasn't a Christian when I saw this movie, to this day, I won't go see a hockey game because of that right there. Just... Pulled on something right there. How about this next image right here? How about this one right here? Now listen, I got, I got to speak on this. I know this is not a political discussion or, a, you know, cultural relevant. But listen to me. Ronald McDonald is now having to change his image because of this stupidity right here. So as this was the clown thing for you guys that are watching by way, by way of podcast and can't understand what we're talking about. So this whole clown thing that's happened over the last four or five, six weeks is crazy to me. I started asking people, so who did, did some clowns murder some people? They're like, no. I was like, 
So why can't anyone dress up as a clown for any kind of theme party right now? Oh, because they're making threats. They're going to murder people and all this kind of stuff. So no one dressed as a clown has killed anybody. No. Yet every night on the news, somebody in Dallas is murdered by most people being murdered by people who are wearing tennis shoes. And yet we're not revolting against Nike tennis shoes. Why? What's the problem here? And the reason it is, is because this image has triggered something in humanity here in the United States. It's caused us to go, clowns are bad. It goes back to some old demonic movies back in the day. I remember all those movies. Come on now. And now this thing has happened to where it's, it's the, Ronald McDonald can't even be Ronald McDonald no more. That was my boy back in the 70s. That's the only reason I went to McDonald's. I wanted to see the clown dude. And now all of a sudden they're having to check. Why? Because this has triggered fear around this country. How about this next audio file right here? Let me, let me, what does this trigger for you? Ready to play that one? Come on. <laughs> okay. So let me tell you what I originally had planned to do. I was going to hit the lights and turn it all black and, and then have guys come in the back with chainsaws. But then I knew all the visitor people would say, that's a cult up there. I know it is. That's a cult. Okay, so, so listen, all of those sounds and sights have triggers that, that trigger something in you, and it's meant to. That's why they keep using the mask for all those, for all those uh, movies. That's why they keep using the same theme song. Why? Because in the first movie, that person hacked everybody up while that music was playing. There are triggers. And I want to say to you today that the devil has done the same thing to you, and there are triggers. So the moment that your wife says something that your ex-wife used to say to you, it triggers that fear. Oh, my God, here we go again. Or the first time you get to having this interaction in the body of believers, it triggers that fear thing, and you're like, that's what my last church did to me again. And you start having this stiffening as these things are happening. And the friend, I want you to understand something. That is not the Lord. That's the plan of the enemy. So let's go to our key scripture today. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. I want you to memorize this scripture this week. I want you to have it in your arsenal. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Would you read it out loud with me one more time? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So if God didn't give us a spirit of fear, who gave it to us? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and power, spiritual wickedness, rulers in high places. The enemy has been putting these fear things on you ever since you were a kid. I had a gal in our church that she was 20-something years old and had never been in a swimming pool. She would not, she would take a shower with her face out of the water because ever since she was a little girl, her mom was scared of the water and had told this little kid, you can't get by the water, you'll drown, you'll die, you'll die. To the place she was an adult with kids, would not shower with it. That's a fear trigger that the enemy has used. Can I tell you something? Whatever is not a faith is sin. And what the enemy does is he puts fear in us so that he can keep us from becoming and being who God wants us to be. Are you there? Say amen. amen. You can do better than that. Say amen. amen. And so what I have watched happening, especially over the last couple of weeks, is the enemy be inundating us with these little fear pieces, these little buttons that are being pushed, and these little strategies to get you insecure, to get you worried, thinking the church doesn't like you, thinking God's against you, thinking your spouse is going to leave you, thinking your kids are all demonized. I don't know about that, but maybe. Anyway, but the point being is these little buttons are being pushed. Why? Because we as a nation have opened ourselves up to the power of fear. And this is his greatest tactic. But you need to understand, Satan is a defeated foe. 
The Bible says he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But at the end of it all, he has been defeated. He's really a toothless lion. In fact, I kind of picture him like is Scar and Lion King. Ooh. Ufasa, say it again. Anyway, I say a flashback to that. But he's a defeated foe, and so all he can do is manipulate. You see what they said? What did they mean by that text? See, they did, you know, they went and had small group. For, they didn't even call me. I guess they don't want me there anymore. Nobody can shake my hand when I walked in this morning. Everybody got up and hugged all, all the white people, hugged each other. Nobody come hug me. These are all the same tactics. He's been doing it for years. You got to understand. And the reason why is because if I can get you tensed up, I can crash you into a wall. Oh, but friend, let me tell you something. If you can just relax in God and know that your God is for you and not against you, that I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. And let me tell you something. You are the head and not the tail above and not beneath. So today, what I want to challenge us to do is recognize that these are the same little trigger buttons that he uses in so many other things. And you've got to start recognizing, wait, that's the trigger. Wait a minute. He's trying to get me mad at my spouse and think that she's doing this or he's doing that. Friend, that's the devil. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You need to grab a hold to the fact that that spirit is heightened right now and all the little problem you're having with your children and all the little difficulty of understanding communication at at your job and all the problem in your small group and here at the church, all that's because we have embraced All Hallows' Eve and that spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief is just stirring and you and I need to rise up and say, not on my watch, not in my time, not here. Now, I know who I am in Christ. Are you with me? Say yes. So let me take you to a passage of scripture that I think will really help you. And it's one of the things that the Lord has, has really, uh, I, uh, the Lord gave me this kind of this word years ago. And I preached it for about a summer out of this one passage. And I think it's really uh, applicable today as, as Matthew chapter 14. We'll look in verses 25, Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 through 31. Now, this is a passage of scripture where Jesus has, um, he has sent his disciples out two by two. They've gone out, they've healed the sick, they've, they've, they've done miracles. And then he meets them back at Starbucks and they're sitting there at Starbucks. Sorry, they're sitting there communicating. They're like, I didn't know there was a Starbucks back in the day. And so they're hanging out and they make plans to go across the lake to go on vacation since they've been ministering so much. As they walk down to the lake, a great crowd gathers, the same people that the disciples have been ministering to one-on-one. Now they all come and they want to see Jesus. Jesus has compassion on them, sits them all down and begins to preach to them. And the disciples are ticked off because they didn't go on vacation like they were supposed to. And so they start having this issue and they come up with this great plan to get Jesus to to shut up and stop preaching. And they tell him, listen, Jesus, they're all hungry. And he says, well, then feed them and he keeps preaching they go find the remember the loaves and the fishes they go find the uh, the five little loaves and the two little fish and they come back and say this is all we could find obviously you missed the lord and uh even though you are the lord and uh that we, there's no way we can feed all these people with this little bit of food and uh and jesus said give it to me he blesses it says hand it out it multiplies they feed everyone have 12 baskets left over jesus in a frustrating moment with them because obviously they don't care about the people as much as they care about themselves i know you never have that problem in your family we never had that problem on our staff either but as a result of it jesus says y'all get in the boat and going across the lake and i'll meet you on i'll meet you over there while i continue to care for the people the bible says that in the middle of the night as they're out there trying to get across that lake a great storm comes up katrina happens and they're in a little boat all 12 of them about to drown they're trying to scoop the water out they can't get it out fast enough the waves are coming in the lightning's happening and with that let's pick up in verse 25 i think i set the scene during the fourth watch of the night jesus went out to them walking on the lake when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, he was walking on the lake. He was walking on, there you go, you're getting it. He was walking on the lake. 
when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were what? Everybody say, terrified. Say it again, terrified. And they yelled out, it's a ghost. It wasn't even Halloween. Look at this. And it says, and they said and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, everybody say it with me, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you uh, on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was what? Everybody say, afraid. And began to, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. He had to say it like that because he was scared. Lord, save me. <laughs> Sorry, ladies, I'm not dishonoring you. Just, just when a man does that, it's fun. Verse 31. <laughs> Verse 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And look what he says to him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now, let me, let, let's, let's picture this. So they're in the boat. They're rowing. They've got their little sails. They're all half beat down. They're trying to get out of Hurricane Katrina. And, they, and they're going to die. And all of a sudden, it's pitch black in the middle of the night. Lightning strikes. <laughs> And as they look out in the distance, as the lightning strike, here comes a person walking towards them. Come on, man. You saw that movie too, right? He's walking towards them. And so can you imagine? They're rowing. They're like, oh, this way. They start rowing this way, trying to get away from it. And Jesus keeps getting closer and closer. And he, you know he's wearing that cool white robe that he always wore, right? So that's even, even more creepier. And, that, and they're trying to get out of the situation. And, and, and finally, as he gets close enough to them, he says, he opens up with this statement. Look what he starts with. He says, he says, take courage. It is I. Jesus is handing out courage. He says, take courage. It is I. It's me, dude. Take courage. Stop being scared because they're trying to get away from me. And I love this response. There's 12 guys in this boat, and one dude goes, if it's really you, tell me come out on the water. Like a demon won't tell you that. Okay. It wasn't you. Can you imagine? <laughs> if it's really you, tell me. I already told you it was me, and I told you to take courage. The fact that you're even able to get out of the boat is because you heard me say take courage, and you took it. So can you imagine that first moment as Peter goes, okay, and he gets his leg over the side? Now listen, not, it's not like you're fishing on a quiet, you know, on, on quiet pond. What was that movie? You know, Golden Pond. Yeah, It's in the middle of a hurricane. <laughs> Trying to get his foot out on the other side. Then he gets the other side, he's holding on to it. And he starts trying to walk towards him. And can you imagine when he first lets go of that boat? <laughs> and he starts walking towards him. Picture this. This is how it's happening. Put this thing in real life. And all of a sudden, it says that as he's walking towards him, he sees the waves and the difficulty. And there goes the courage. And he begins to sing, help me. Jesus picks him up. I picture he picks him up on his back, walks the rest of the way. Gets up in the boat, sets him down and says, dude, you big ninny. Why'd you, why'd you stop believing in me? What happened there? And I would imagine that Peter's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I repent, I repent, I repent. It's amazing. It's, can you imagine this story 20 years later with the apostle and their grandkids? Papa, tell us, about, tell us a story about being with Jesus. James says, well, it was a dark night. Late into the night. And a great storm came up. Oh, why are you scaring us? And then all of a sudden, 
We just knew we were going to die. The water was coming in, and we couldn't get it out fast enough. And we couldn't get it out. And all of a sudden, the lightning strikes and lights up the air. And all of a sudden, there it is, walking towards us. Oh, Papa, that's scary. Who was it? It was Jesus. Yay, Jesus. Then what happened, Papa? Well, Jesus said, take courage. And what happened, Papa? Well, your Uncle Peter. You know how he is. <laughs> Uncle Peter says, if it's really you, tell me to come. And that dummy went and got out of the boat. Did he drown? No, he started walking. One step, two steps, three steps. <gasps> then what happened? Then he got scared. He saw the big wave. You know the big ones? Yeah. Psh, he started crashing around him. And he started singing, oh, no, Papa, what did he do? What did he do? Well, he was smart enough to cry out to Jesus. That's what he did. <laughs> and Jesus picked him up and saved him. It was amazing. Do you know, baby, that only Jesus and Peter are the only two people in history to ever walk on water? <gasps> That's right. Because he took the courage that God was giving him. Hey, Papa. Yeah? How come you didn't take the courage? Listen to me, church. This ain't a good message. This is a word to you. It's time to take courage. It's time for you and I to stop allowing all the little insecurities, destroying our friendships, destroying our relationships. You bounce from church to church to church because every time you get that one little, you didn't get hugged properly, I remember what they did to me last time. And it hits that fear button. You stiffen. You stiffen. Can, 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 think about this. When you scare a skunk, what does it do to you? If you scare a porcupine, what does it do to you? You get stabbed. That's right. You get stuck. If you walk up behind a dog and you scare it, what does it do to you? It bites you. I don't care if it's a yip-yak dog or not. Those scare me the worst. Whoa. Think about it. If you scare an octopus, what does it do? It inks you. If you scare a child, what do they do? They scream and run away from you. If you scare a baby, what does it do? It cries and it poops on you. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Over the last five weeks, I've seen all of those things happening within the church. It's all out of fear. You thought this person did, didn't think, you know, didn't treat you right, or this person didn't do this right, or your spouse didn't say this right, and it hit those fear pieces. Can I tell you something? He did not give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. you got all these things going on in your mind, and you don't understand what the problem is and why this ain't happening the way I thought it was supposed to happen. And this is, I'm seeing the same. It's happening all over again, baby. We ain't got no money. And all this fear is coming really in this season because we've opened the door to it in our nation. And so that enemy's got more power than he normally has to just wreak havoc on our minds. And can I tell you something? He is a toothless lion that has been destroyed. No weapon formed against you can prosper. For all those that rise up against you shall fall. You are the head and not the tail. You are the lender and not the borrower. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. He is your God and he loves his sons and daughters. And you hold to that thing and you say, wait a minute, devil. Get out in Jesus' name. I'm going to stay married all my days. Wait a minute, devil. Get out. We've got the best small group of people ever in the world. Wait a minute. They love me. Stop your lying. Wait a minute. God's for me. Stop your lying. Get out of here. And what you and I need to learn to do is 
just let God be God and recognize that that's the enemy's plan to intimidate us because he cannot destroy you because he's already been defeated and he's seated. He's under the feet of Jesus. All principalities and powers have been placed below the Lord's feet and we are joint heirs with Christ. So we stand beside him in spiritual authority and every demonic force cannot reign and rule. So you need to start telling those things. You will not destroy my children. You will not destroy my finances. I will not give in to your lies. I will not live in fear, but I will take the courage that God is handing out and I will walk on water. I will see miracles in my life and I will not be one who's just sitting in the boat holding on to what I know is comfortable and what I know is natural. See, the boat is your problem because you're so used to the comfort of the boat that you know the boat will get you there. You know your job will get you there. You know the little way you've always done it will get you there. But the problem is, is in the midst of the storm you better learn to walk on the water and the only way to walk on the water is to take courage. You got to take it. You can't, you can't buy it. You can't steal it. You got to take it. Because the Lord, the Lord, your God, He doesn't want you broken down. The Word of God says clearly, whatever is not of faith is sin. Did you know that? Whatever is not of faith is sin. I have been in a lot of sin in my life over the years. After have to repent of this type of sin on a weekly basis. Well, God, I used to when I was a young pastor. Oh, God, if they don't tithe enough, we're going to lose the building. <laughs> now I'm like, it's your building. I'm just being obedient anyway. If they don't tithe, it's their building. It's their church. Well, praise God. I'll go back traveling. You know, I, I, but not because I'm so good. I've just gotten to the place where God's got a plan no matter what. And this, I'm not going to live in fear, doubt, and unbelief of what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. I'm not scared. But I don't walk around, is she going to leave me? Is she looking at that dude over there? Baby, don't look at him. I'm better looking. Look. <laughs> living like that? I'm not living in fear that my kids are not going to serve God and they're going to be those normal PKs that go crazy and do drugs and have sex with everybody. I'm not living in that kind of fear. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I know who I am in Christ. And so let me give you just a couple thoughts here. As we kind of start closing out this message, something for you to understand, and that is when you are scared stiff, and I see many of you stiffening up over the last couple of weeks. Things have been happening to you, and you just stiffen up. You just stiffen up. And the first thing I want to tell you that you need to learn to do is, number one, relax. Relax. God is for you and not against you. You say, oh, pastor, you don't know what I did, and I sinned, and I think God's mad at me. But hey, 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 relax. You're his son. You're his daughter. Relax. Don't react to these triggers. Don't react to this pushing of your buttons. You know, well, so-and-so didn't call me. I didn't get invited. I saw them all out on Instagram having fun. I no one even asked me about it. Listen, relax. Relax. Why are you all worried about that? Relax. Listen, at this stage in my life, I'm so happy for what I don't get invited to. It's so awesome. Well, may God bless you because I got to bring a gift. I'm broke by the time I go to all y'all stuff. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But seriously, man, just relax. God is for you and not against you. Relax. He can't steal your kids. The devil can't steal. He's not going to steal yours. Just relax. Here's the second thing that I would teach you that I see in Scripture, and that is remind Satan of two things. Number one, who you are, and number two, who he is. Remind him who you are. Let me tell you something. I'm Jesus Christ's favorite son. I'm his favorite daughter. I'm co-heirs. I'm, I'm joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The same power that rose Christ from the dead dwells in me. I know who I am in Christ. 
I know I'm a sinner, but when God looks down at me, he can't see my sin because all he can see is the blood of Jesus that covers me because I've gotten under the dome of Christ. I've come under Christ's lordship, and he reigns and rules in my life. I know who I am. Remind him who you are because in doing that, you'll remind yourself of who you are. And also, on reminding him, remind him who he is. Hey, you're a defeated foe. Nothing you say will I trust. You've been lying since the beginning, and you're the father of lies. I won't listen to a word of what you're saying. All those thoughts coming into my mind, they go against what the Bible says, so they must be lies. They must be coming from you. So I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Let go. Get out. Go on, because I know who I am in Christ. Friend, can I tell you something? All those fears of being lonely, that's the devil. All those fears of being rejected, that's the devil. All those fears of being misappropriated and taking advantage, that's the devil. I'm telling you, and, and he'll heighten all those things, and you'll start thinking, they're taking advantage of me again. They're taking advantage of me again. Here it comes. It's going to happen like it always does. That's a devil. Tell him to shut up. Tell him, I know who you are. And I know where you can go. And I know where you're headed. And I've already read, we win at the end of it all. And then the last and final thing I would tell you to do, and that is this. Be courageous. Be courageous. Some of you need to have some courageous conversations with some people you're offended at. Some of you need to have some courageous interactions in prayer. And just tell the devil, you're getting off of my kids. What I love about courage is that you can't muster it up in your own strength. It's got to come from the Lord, doesn't it? That's why I ought to say amen. It's got to come from the Lord. They're not going to rob you. We're about to take communion. <laughs> Y'all can't stand like that. They thought, well, <laughs> baby, you sneak to the left. I'm going right. Hit the big guy. I'm going low. <laughs> They're going to start passing the communion elements as I finish up my message. We're going to take communion today to close out. But as they do that, can you keep listening to me? Listen, I want you to understand the truth, and that is this. That courage comes from the Lord. You can't muster it up in your own strength. And can I tell you something? If you keep holding on to the side of the boat, you never get to tell the courageous story to your grandkids of the supernatural. My kids love me, and when they look at me, they got this look in their eye. Not because I'm so great, because they've seen God put courage in me. For things I was so scared I didn't want to do. And they saw me overcome my fears. They saw me have, they saw me have courageous conversations with people I didn't want to talk to. They saw me stand up for the Lord when I didn't want to stand up. They saw it. They saw me battle it. And, and the Lord gave me courage to overcome it. I want you to know something. It's time to be courageous for our children, for our grandchildren, for our neighbors, for our co-workers, for the body of believers. They need to see the courage of God flowing in us. Oh, you might start sinking halfway into it, but he'll pick you up and keep you from dying. Listen, you may, you, 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 you may get a little scared in the midst of doing that courageous thing that God's called you to do, and you may be, have a little bit of egg on your face, but let me tell you something. The other 11 still sitting in the boat like a bunch of sissies. At least you and I are trying, amen? At least we're giving our best shot at it. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus wasn't mad at him one bit. All he did was help build more faith in him. He said, listen, don't, be, don't have little faith. Trust me, I got you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll never let you fail. I'll never let you fall. As they pass those out, would you go ahead and stand with me all across the room today? Pray that this message has spoken to your heart. It's a prophetic word. You know, normally I take us a little bit more strategically down through the word. But this is a moment where we have to break this fear, this insecurity. Listen, some of you literally are scared stiff. You used to, you, listen, you, you used to enjoy life, you used to enjoy services, you used to enjoy your friendship, you used to enjoy your work, and things have started happening, gotten you all scared and worried and, and, and full of, uh, you know, concern. Listen, your God is for you and not against you. He'll carry you where you can't walk. He'll give you courage where you don't have courage. 
And today, as we take communion together, we try to take communion together once a quarter. And so it fell right in the middle of this message. I thought it was so cool. And I knew the Lord wanted us to do this together. I want you to close your eyes with me for a little bit. Those of you that are still receiving the elements, you obviously keep your eyes open so we don't hit you with a grape juice thing. The rest of us, as you got your head bowed and your eye closed, where is the enemy caused you to stiffen at? Have you stiffened over a friendship? Have you stiffened over calling God on your life and gave up on it? Are you about to run us into the wall because the enemy pushed your fear buttons? He used the tactic to bring up something that happened back in the day and it smells, it sounds like that last thing, and looks like that last, those images are popping back up in your mind. This is what happened with my first marriage. This is what my first son did. This is what happened to me at my last job. My last church said and did the same thing. Friend, don't listen to that. Those are all lies. Those are all just uh, such an enemy's plan to get you to stiffen, to get you to walk away from God's plan for your life. I want you to take a moment as your head's bowed and your eye closed and just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm not going to let that fear dominate my life anymore. Recognize you're in a season where it's got more power than it normally does. Satan's number one tool, his number one weapon has more power the last five, six, seven weeks. You understand there are demonic people praying against the church. They're empowering his demonic power to confuse you, to try to get you forgetting who you are in Christ. So that's why this word is so critical for you in this moment. I want you to think about how much turmoil, how much fear has been gripping you. How scared you've been that someone's going to mishandle you, mistreat you, misappropriate you. Think about all those lies. Know that God's for you not against you. That's what they are. They're just lies. Father, we thank you for your kindness towards us. Seal this message deep in our hearts as we begin to take communion together. I want you to look up here with me at the screen. As we go to take communion, we have to be obedient to the Holy Scriptures. Paul gives clarity in 1 Corinthians. Let's read it out in verse 11. I'll read it to you. Excuse me. Verse 11 through 28 says, The man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing... Uh, the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And that's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, and that just simply means to evaluate ourselves. If we judge ourselves or evaluate ourselves by the Lord, uh, <coughs> excuse me, then we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, he's simply bringing discipline so that we will not be condemned with the world. So what the Lord does with communion, he gives us this moment where we are to evaluate ourselves. Lord, I, I lied yesterday to that lady. I want to repent. That's what we're supposed to do before we take the communion elements. It's supposed to be a time of evaluation, of judging ourselves, is how NIV says it. And the reason why it says that he does that, and he says, and because some of you haven't done that, you're sick, you've got all these problems. He says it's because you haven't done that. You haven't been honest. You haven't been authentic. You pretended that it's all okay when really it isn't. You need to make that right with me. He says, and, and the reason why I'm bringing discipline on you is because I would rather you have some difficulty here than to experience c- condemnation at the end of it all. I don't want to condemn you to hell. I love you so much. So would you take a moment and evaluate yourself? That's what he's saying. So can we do that as a body of believers? Would you just close your eyes and, and, uh, and, just, and, and just kind of create a private place there? Do you want to kneel? Do you want to stand? Whichever one's more comfortable for you. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that your body of believers would see clearly, not with condemnation, but see clearly, or that which, oh God, that they have 
they have stepped out of, out of line with you. That which has wounded y'all's relationship, Lord. Would you show us, Lord, where, 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 have, we, where have we sinned? Where, what have we done that we thought either purposefully or accidentally, Lord God, and, and that we just need to make right with you here today? What a beautiful opportunity to come before the Lord and make some things right. So what do I do, Pastor? I recognize I'm doing some things. Yeah, just repent. You say, what does that mean? Just say, I'm sorry. As we're doing that across the room, if you find yourself in a position that you're not a Christian, that you don't, you're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Friend, can I give you some advice? The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Friend, you can stand right there and you can say, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. You can pray a prayer and say, and say Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I've been, I've been away from you and I want to come home. I want to repent. You won't even have to come get down on your knees just right where you're standing. And God will forgive you and you'll belong to Him at this moment. If you want to do that under your breath, then go ahead and do that right where you're at. No one else is paying attention. They're all just experiencing the Lord themselves. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those who are coming back to you. Those who have never been Christian and understand in this moment to accept you as their Lord and Savior. I pray for the truth of that revelation. I pray for an understanding, oh God, of the decision they're making. And the purity of their heart to be exposed, oh God. So that you can make right that which sin has made wrong. We claim you as our Father, as our Savior. And we thank you for your forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name. Now if you'll go ahead and look up here at me and tear off that first layer that reveals our little uh, styrofoam bread piece. We'll go to the next passage. It says, the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me we thank you for your body we thank you for the 39 lashes that you took you were wounded for my transgressions you were bruised because of my iniquity the chastisement of my sin, what I was to deserve because of my sin, laid upon your body as they crucified you and destroyed your body there on that cross. I remember that here, and I show my gratitude and my love for you. I'll never forget what you did for me. I humble myself and say, I need you more, more than yesterday. I need you, Jesus. We'll go ahead and tear off the next top piece. Continuing on, he said, in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup, it's the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Would you pass that quickly to your left, to the end of the row? We'll pick that. leftover trash and we'll pick it up. Once you have that done, would you just lift your hands with me? We're going to take a moment, experience the Lord together. Experience the healing power of God to deliver us and free us. It's one body, one church. There you go. Take me as an Here I am, 
I speak healing over your bodies right now in Jesus' name. You are free from sin because you repented of it. Here I am. Being made whole today. Give me goodness of God. Every heart beat or just for your glory. Oh, here I am. The favor on your people. The life of the living God. Take me as an offering. Beating inside of my chest. Oh, here I am. Every fear. Every lie. Every heart. Not just minimized, but destroyed. For your glory. Worthy you are. As you begin to sing worthy, let the courage of God dwell up in your chest. Worthy is the The courage of God to approach the thing that you need to approach. The courage of God to look that sin habit in the face and say no more. Worthy, worthy is the ministering to young people and we had a large ministry and had this gal that we'd been working on for two years she was an amazing leader beautiful lady in her 20s early 20s trying to get her to start a small group she was a great leader but she just had all this trepidation and all this fear and all these things and she just could never get her to overcome it after a service like this she kind of ran up to me and she said pastor she said would you pray for me I'm having a lot of night terrors it was about the same season it was just days before Halloween and I said, uh, what do you mean night terrors? I can't sleep. I'm waking up in cold sweats. And I'm having dreams of people killing me and murdering me and chopping me up in little bitty pieces. I was like, that's the devil. She goes, I know. She goes, I can't, I, I can't even get out of bed. I'm, not, I, I'm missing work. I'm scared I'm going to lose my job. Would you just pray for me? And I had this kind of nudge from the Holy Spirit. I said, well, where do you think all this is coming from? Why do you, why do you have this kind of stuff? She goes, I don't know. I don't know. And I, the Holy Spirit asked me, nudged me and said, ask her this. So I asked her, I said, do you, do you watch, um, like, a lot of horror movies? She goes, oh, yeah, I love them. I've seen them all. She started going down through the list. I was like, well, there's your problem. And, uh, and she goes, really? I said, sweetheart, you've opened your life up to that, to that fear, and, and it's dominating you. And I'm, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm in the back of my mind, no wonder she's not, she didn't have the courage to help other people in a small group setting. She didn't even realize it's, it's subconscious at this point. It's dominating her life. I said, would you let me pray for you? I want to break that, that stuff. And would, you, would you be willing to change? And she goes, if I can sleep, I'll do anything. <laughs> so, okay. so we laid hands on her. And man, the power of God came. And it was like a deliverance happened. It was like this evil that had enthroned her, kind of attached to her, just kind of broke. Kind of felt the fear leave. She started jumping up and down. I'm jumping up and down. This is crazy. She looked at me and she said, thank you, Pastor. And she came back next week. She said, I slept every day. I don't have any more of that stuff. And she goes, Pastor, it's time. I need to start a small group. See, when, when fear breaks, courage comes. And, and, and so, so if you'll just keep saying, get away in Jesus' name, I bind you in Jesus' name, the courage will stir in you and the dreams that you have, the visions that God wants to 
has been given you and the things that you know you're supposed to be doing for God, they'll come to pass in their proper time just as long as you don't let fear permeate and dominate your life. Would you lift your hands one more time as we go to close? I'll pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we break every bit of fear in Jesus' name. We will not be scared of anything. The Bible says that the wicked flee in fear, though no one is even chasing them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I speak courage over your people. Courage. Courage over every man and woman in this room and those watching, Lord God, by way of our live stream. The courage of God on their lives that they may accomplish all that you've called them to accomplish and be all that you've called them to be. In Jesus' name. Can everybody shout amen and let's give the Lord a hand.